To all those called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear Christian friends, it was around this time, three years ago, when my daughter Miriam and I were sitting at the island in our kitchen. We each had our computer and our Chromebook open with all kinds of tabs open on each device as we were researching different universities, their educational programs, if they had ROTC on the campus, if there was a Wells Church nearby or a Wells Campus ministry at the university. My sister Dawn happened to be in the area visiting us as she was recruiting around here. My sister Dawn had gone to Uh, Michigan Tech University in the UP on a basketball scholarship, and she earned her teaching degree there. But I don't think she's taught a single moment in a regular classroom. All of her teaching has been on the basketball court. She is a Division I basketball coach at South Dakota University. So she walked into the house, saw what we were doing, and said, Miriam, it doesn't matter what you get your degree in. You're going to do something completely different anyhow. I scolded her. I said, Dawn, she doesn't need to hear that right now. Well, we often live under the illusion of autonomy. We tend to think that we are masters of our destiny, that we control our future. Now think back to when you were little kids and you were thinking about what you were going to do when you started adulting. Are you anywhere in the ballpark of your childhood aspirations? Now, some of you may be doing what you thought you would be doing when you were a kid. Some of you may be doing what you went to school for or started in the trades with doing. But some of you may be proving my sister right that you are doing something completely different. The Lord moves us around into the various vocations in life where he needs us to be. We make our plans, but then God makes his plans come to fruition. Our plans are not our own. We may not be doing what we planned to do when we were children. We may not be in the field of study that we had earned our degree in. I'm pretty sure we're not doing what we had planned to do in the Lord's church when we were kids. Because who of us when we were kids ever dreamed of and said, you know what, I want to be the president of the church one day. Or I want to be treasurer for life. Or I want to sit in ladies guild meetings. Or become a Sunday school teacher. Or serve on this committee and then that committee. Imagine a young boy named James. As a boy, he watched his father and his brother in the seafood business, and he always dreamed of working alongside of his family in the Zebedee and Sons Fishing Company. Probably little else in the way of other professions ever crossed his mind. And then one day, along comes this traveling rabbi who extends an invitation Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. James and John leave their father mending the nets and they follow Jesus, joining with their friends from Capernaum, Andrew and Simon Peter, into a whole new way of life. With each call, ears are opened and nets are dropped. 
vocations are exchanged and fishermen become fishers of men. God's call bears fruit and disciples are born. And then these disciples follow Jesus for three years of traveling, seminary training on the mountain, in the synagogue, in the temple courtyard, in the upper room. They go from being followers to disciples to eventually becoming apostles. Our lives are not our own. They never have been. Just as Jesus called Andrew and Peter, James and John to lay down their nets and become his disciples, so Jesus calls us to follow him and serve him in various vocations in life. There is hidden glory in the call to faith and to service. Humanly speaking, What was so special about these four fishermen that Jesus would call them to be his disciples? Nothing. And there is the key. It is a call of grace to faith and service. And that same question can be asked about you. What is so special about you that Jesus calls you to follow him? Well, you have to admit that there is no reason for Jesus to call you. You're not smart enough, not faithful enough, not perfect enough, not good enough, not deserving enough to receive this call from Jesus. And that's the key. This is a call that is entirely by God's grace. Jesus called many of you a long time ago when you were infants at your baptism. And then he called others of you later on in your life through the call of his word to be converted. And through the waters of baptism and through his word, he made you heirs of salvation. And then either as a teenager or as an adult, you stood before the Lord's altar and you made your vows of faithfully following the Lord even to the point of death. Jesus unites you with other like-minded followers as you receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Jesus calls you to hear that your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. Jesus equips you for service as he uses his word to give you comfort, encouragement, and empowerment. What a great gift. What a great privilege that he has chosen you to follow him but fellow saints this is not a call to just sit in the pews or watch on the computer it is not a call to remain comfortable this is a call to service it is a call to action it is a call to be fishers of men and women and children a a call to invite others into Christ's kingdom And so you want to invite others to receive the sacrament of baptism or to be converted so they can become heirs of salvation. You want others to enjoy that nervous excitement of standing before the Lord's altar making their vows of faithfulness. You want others to go through the deep doctrines of God's word in the adult confirmation class with the pastor or the school chaplain so that they can stand with you in unity at the sacrament. 
You want others to hear that their sins have been forgiven through what Christ accomplished on the cross and out of the grave. You want others to receive resurrection comfort when they are grieving, to receive encouragement when they are depressed, to receive encouragement, to keep on moving because you've received that peace and comfort and encouragement from God's word also. Jesus' first disciples were so willing to follow Jesus because this was a different kind of king, inviting them to serve in a different kind of kingdom. Instead of taking from people, he would be pouring out his blessings on them. Instead of gathering people around to control, he was gathering people to free them from sin and death. Instead of just ruling over people, Jesus came to rescue people. And that is why these first disciples were willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. Now what about you? What are you willing to give up in following Jesus, your king, and serving him in his kingdom? Are you willing to give up your time, your money, your very lives? Fellow saints, have you heard about the 2080 rule in the church? I've been told it's a similar rule in companies and clubs. The 2080 rule is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it's called a rule because that's kind of typical in many churches across denominations. But I want you to look around you and think about the blessings you received and however long you've been here at Epiphany. And I think if we are a typical church and all of this has been accomplished with 20% of effort, the part of my role as the pastor of leadership and training for Water of Life Lutheran Church is going to be training you to serve in areas of ministry in the church. And then the role of the pastor of growth and outreach is then to take you and then put you to work in various ministries in the new church. Again, look around you. If God has accomplished all this with, say, 20% effort, now our goal is to flip those statistics so that we have 80% of our members involved somewhere in the ministry. Now, what do you think this will look like with four times the amount of people and effort when God blesses his workers and his kingdom work at our church? Now, all of you come from different backgrounds, skill sets, experiences, but God has a plan for you to serve him in his kingdom. It's, it may not be a plan that you had laid out for you in your childhood or in your college years, but it's a plan God has always had for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you peace, not disaster. Plans to give you hope and a future. So where can you fit into serving Christ at Water of Life? If you're shut in, then you can possibly send letters of encouragement or to pray for members in ministry. If you're a college student, you can invite your roommates and your fellow students to come with you to church or to attend a Bible study at the campus ministry. 
If you're a teenager, you can be involved in our soccer camp and door canvassing. Maybe you can help people with English as second language classes, play an instrument or sing for worship, help with social media, follow up on visitors, visit those who are sick, or call those who are in hospice care. The list is endless. But be assured, though, that our chairman and vice chairman are going to be calling on each of you to serve somewhere on their various committees because there's a lot of work to do. And by the grace of God, he has supplied the disciples to do this kingdom work. And so I can already hear some of you whispering under your breath, well, I've, I've thought about doing that kind of thing, but I'm afraid. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I have the confidence to follow through. And I understand. And yet, I want you to think about Moses. Here was a man who did not want to follow God's call into service. He said, not me. I can't even talk straight. God, you want me to do what? And yet, that seemingly unprepared and stammering Moses was used by God to lead his people out of Israel and lead those people for 40 years all by God's grace. And maybe you, you don't think you're ready to be a leader of God's people, but think of how God used a widow woman to prepare an upper room so that Jesus could celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples one last time. Or how Jesus used a young boy and his lunch to feed 5,000 hungry people. Or how Jesus used a young man who was streaking out of the Garden of Gethsemane to write the very words of our gospel lesson. We have seen Jesus hid in glory in the waters of his baptism. We have seen Jesus hid in glory that's right there in front of people's plain sight of Nathaniel and Philip. And now today we see Jesus hid in glory in the call to faith and service because only Jesus could in the Son of God, the Christ, could gather people who are so different. Children, teenagers, young adults, parents, and senior citizens, people of various backgrounds and cultures and skill sets, and then unite them together into the cohesive unit that is the Holy Christian Church. Only the Savior could call sinners to faith. Call the timid to courage. Call the proud people to humility. Call selfish people to care for others. To call you and me to serve him by serving those around us with the good news of his salvation. So today, fellow saints, I, and, and for the days to come, I want you to pray for wisdom, to grasp the plan that God has for you. I don't want to admit it, that maybe my sister was right that one time. We may have plans, but God has different plans for you. Trust the plan that God has. He always has a plan. He has called you to faith, and now he is calling you to service. So pray for courage to step out in faith. Pray that you may always be open to the Lord's leading. And pray that you see the hidden glory 
as you answer Jesus' call to action. Amen.